How come nobody ever looks into the parallels between the A on Captain America's mask and the A on Apocalypse's belt? What is the connection between Cap's face and Apocalypse's crotch? Uh, thank you, Matthew Rosenberg, and thank you even more, Chris Evans, for filling out them pants. Yeah. Welcome to a special episode of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It doesn't matter what fucking month or year it is, because we're talking about our favorite stories. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is someone who puts the lips in Apocalypse... Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com or 1 million to save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. Leave us some feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. Feel free to send us a message. We want to hear from you. Seriously. But also seriously, what you'll be hearing from us is some fucking terrible language. We use such bad words. We have the bad words. All the bad words. The worst words. We use so many bad words, so often, all the words... The bad ones. The bad ones. The bad words. So there's your bad words warning. Bad to the bone. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing, Patty? I'm good. So, uh, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah? Today's been a a wonderful day. Yeah. 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 It's been a magical day. Yeah, we went to, to an Asian market. Uh-huh. And uh, we we dealt with lots of traffic because it is currently Black Friday weekend. Oh. Uh, not pe- not Thanksgiving weekend. You're giving them a peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Right That's what they call it. Yeah. That's what they call it in the podcast uh, We business. weren't We weren't actually <laughs> doing any Black Friday shopping. I just needed to pick up a subscription that I have for a magazine. Mm-hmm. What, so that was, yeah. that was fun. What kind of magazine, Patty? It's a puzzle yeah. book. Uh-huh. They're called, what are they called? Dijinchi. <laughs> they are not um they don't sell doujinshi in bookstores they Why? i uh because they're like indie i don't know you gotta find you gotta find those sexy little porn shops that yeah. are like down behind the alleys yeah and stuff like that yeah i'm gonna go down the alley mm-hmm. be right back yeah you're right down that alley uh-huh get all up in that alley patty oh yeah uh-huh watch me Watch me sneak into the alley wait, wait, and come back you, with like a brown paper bag. What are we talking about right what? now? Who is Allie? I don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what I want to do in my free time. Speaking of Dazzler. <laughs> uh, so, so okay. So welcome to uh, part two of our favorite stories. This is this is, is something that's that's been fun. We did the one episode. Should have been released already, hopefully. And uh, now this is part two of it. So on the first episode, uh, we talked about Patty's favorite story, which is Inferno. And we talked about my second favorite, which was uh, Jason Aaron's uh, first 14 issues on volume four of Wolverine. So so we, we, we decided to lighten the mood this time and give you guys some upbeat, <laughs> happy favorite stories of ours. <laughs> So this time we switched our number ones and number twos. This yeah, time, this time I'll I'm... put my number one in your number two. <laughs> no, but this time I'm going number one, and this time you're going number two, right? Yeah, How do you just, like that? Just, uh, just remember to wipe front, front to back, <laughs> or else you get a UTI, and that's not fun. You have to drink cranberry juice, and it tastes like earwax. How do you know what earwax tastes like? Okay, I we had this discussion. Did we at the Thanksgiving table? Oh, that was and my us, mom's right, like at the table. you. You've eaten earwax, and I was like, "Yeah, hasn't everybody like accidentally just like you know no, you're picking your ear, and then you don't realize it, and you're like picking your lip, listen, and then you you're like, ah, oh, that tastes like cranberries. That's, that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> what happens, right? I, I accidentally got an itch inside my ear, and yeah. then all of a sudden there's this random itch right by my mouth. 
I gotta go inspect the inside with my earwaxy finger. That is literally the excuse that I used when I would eat my boogers when I was a little kid. So don't try to act like this was all accidental. You were purposely eating your earwax. I was not. It tastes really bad. You should try it sometime. I did when I was little. Yeah, okay, so my point point is everybody has tried their earwax. Right, so own it. What I'm saying is, oh, no, you haven't accidentally? No, no, no. No, I didn't. You purposely sampled your Uh, own ear boogers, all right? And it's okay. Just own it. But that's what I used to say when I was little because I was embarrassed. I was like, I've got an itch by my nose and an itch by my mouth. Yeah, that's all I've, that it is. I can say that I've never eaten boogers. Bull. You're disgusting. Hockey. That is. <laughs> You're hockey. Fucking nonsense. It's okay. Everybody poops. Everybody, everybody has earwax and everybody has boogers. And sometimes you just need to relocate certain things <laughs> on your body to other parts of your body. You know what I mean? It happens. Where we it's don't, natural. Yeah, it's 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 natural. You know, we're just natural bo- selection. We were just born this way. That's a good segue. We were just <laughs> <laughs> That is a good segue. So first thing is so my top favorite story, mutant related story of all time is Age of Apocalypse. And uh, I'll give a little a little background. So I was reading comics when this was coming out, when the new issues were being published. Uh, a lot of the time I would go to my local comic shop, which was in a mall, and, you know, I'd go in and I'd go right for, like, the back issue bins because I'd be looking for uh, issues of New Mutants a lot of the time. But in the front of the store on the right, they had the racks there and all the new issues would be out. And I don't remember seeing the previews or whatever of Age of Apocalypse, but I know I was reading Legion Quest and all that kind of stuff, and I knew Age of Apocalypse was happening, and I thought that this was fucking amazing. They, For those of you who don't know, which hopefully you do, Age of Apocalypse basically... Uh, took all the X-Men books that were coming out at the time, which were a lot, and uh, basically turned them into, like, what-if miniseries for a few months. So yeah, so for for four months, all the issues of mutant-related titles switched to something else. Uncanny X-Men became Astonishing X-Men for four issues. Adjectiveless X-Men became Amazing X-Men. X Factor became Factor X, which was which was very very genius of them. Yeah, just flip it around. Yes, flip it, flip it. Excalibur became Excalibur. Became Excalibri. Yes, and it starts with it's just like X dash Calibre, and it used to just say Excalibur. So mm-hmm. that that was a change. There was uh... I mean, we can keep going. Generation X was Generation Next. Wolverine was Weapon X, and uh, yeah, so so it was it was fun. Uh, so the whole setup to this basically was that Legion decided that his dad would have been better off if Magneto died before he became all evil. So Legion decided to travel back in time and kill Magneto. But since Charles Xavier is such a swell fella, He's swell. he decided to jump in the way and Legion accidentally killed Charles Xavier. So that fucked up the entire timeline and Charles Xavier never formed the X-Men and uh, Apocalypse kind of just took over North America. So, yeah, so this is kind of like, this was a really large What If series. It's kind of silly because I have stated that I'm not a huge fan of What If books. Like, they're certainly interesting, but I just feel like it's really hard to tell. There's so many What If books, and I've read plenty. Not in a long time, but I've read plenty. And I just feel like it's hard to tell a really fucking great story in just one issue where you have to set up, like, this whole world and, like you know, pull it off in a good way. Pull it out. And it's a, it's a good thing that they gave us 40 fucking issues then, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it, it is. This, see, now this, I'm going to say off the bat, the this strikes me as kind of like how Infinity War struck me. I 
really loved Avengers Infinity War. It was a great movie. Of course it was not flawless. But the thing is, is that the the writers of all of these movies set up this incredible universe and allowed, you know, the writers and directors of this movie to just do such an amazing job putting this huge cast of characters and all these little plot lines and have them all come together in one big movie. Uh, and to me, that's kind of what Age of Apocalypse is is similar to. It's not exactly the same thing, but the writers were able to take all of these characters and they had enough time to kind of establish the world that they live in, um, the personal stakes for each character, the motivations, and have this, you know, really suspenseful story build up over the course of a few months. So the scope of this was enormous and it was just amazing to watch. Because I feel like if this was done, the whole thing was done in an issue or a few issues, it would not have the impact. At least it wouldn't have had the impact on me that that it had. No, those are my thoughts exactly. And uh, this is the second time that I've read through this. And the first time I read this, I really hated it because yeah. I thought that it was just so like bleak. And, like, so depressing. Like, the entire world is ending. Everybody's dying. Yeah. And, like, it was just, it was just, like, too much for me. You love when people die. I do, but not, like, (laughs) not, like, you know, characters that I really care about and stuff. And, uh, I just... Your favorite character is Jean Grey. I know. How can you sit there and say that? For those of you who can't... It's really hard. I cry all the time. You can't see Patty had a little smile on her face right there. I'm just always crying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what just, the fuck? Just nonstop crying about Jean Grey. Right. Just, la- just stop killing my baby, please. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no, and, and I get that. This, you know, this wasn't the happiest story, but I'm thinking that, like, you know, for as depressing as it seemed, there was a lot of hope. There was a lot of hope. See, I didn't really feel the hope until the second time I read it. You gotta uh, feel the first, hope. first, yeah. I will feel up hope. You gotta if feel, that's a, what you gotta you're feel saying. that hope, Summers. Yeah, I will. Especially now, in this cold. Yeah, she's need, got a scarf. We can we, share it. Wow. We can hey. Sh- hey. Oh, wait, two redheads. <laughs> two redheads, one Jonathan. All right, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you just gave me a hope in my pants. All right. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to say this. So, so we always we always invite you guys to leave us reviews comments just whatever the fuck honestly even if you're like oh you sound like an asshole like fucking get in line man you sound like my mom when you talk like that (laughs) but so somebody left us a review and it was a really nice review too and i want to shout out to this person if he or she listens gtleli84 uh shout outs to you if that was the year you were born because that was the year i was born too and how did how did you say this that uh (laughs) That gum in Spanish, what is it called? Chicle. Chicle, yeah. yeah I said it like G T clay. Lee. <laughs> so yeah, so I was like <laughs> Clay Lee. And then and then Jonathan's like, Oh, that, that means that means bubblegum in in Spanish and I was like, Bubble bath. Yeah, go watch Big Mouth. Well, go watch Big Mouth. There's it's, two seasons. A third season is coming. The art is it's, hideous. It's so dirty. But it's so funny. It's also the- don't watch it with your parents around. No. They say vagina like 50 times in the first episode if it makes you uncomfortable it's working yes yeah keep going uh but no i want to shout out to this person because they left us a really nice review but the title of the review was not enough talk about morph so here is our talk about morph right now mighty morphine port mighty morphine port 
Mighty Morphin <laughs> Porter Rangers. Mighty Morphin Portobello Mushroom. We're taught no porters are like uh, the fancy way of saying janitor. Get the fuck out of here. No, yeah, that's what they prefer. Is this like your pole position bullshit <laughs> that you just fucking made up that no, one no, time? No, no, no. It's like instead of like secretary, you're supposed to say executive ex- assistant. Uh, yeah okay porter is yeah like a like a porta potty like a porter house like when we didn't that's have toilets call, for like a week and a half the porta potty the it's porta, called, it's the called porta the, potties it's the porter house the porter house that's what they mean we're not talking about meat we're talking about going to the bathroom and somehow both of those are connected so it all goes to the same place yeah go eat your me- meat in the bathroom go e- listen the bathroom is not the place to eat your meat the bathroom is a place to beat your meat patty <laughs> So Morph was in this, and that and that was <laughs> and that was awesome because you know obviously like we all we're all adults we we know what happened we know that there was this character Changeling back in the '60s and he was a stupid we character. all know that we all know that uh, <laughs> he was a stupid character he existed for a stupid reason and he looked stupid but. In the '90s animated series, they created Morph, kind of based on that character. You know, we all know what happens in the animated series. We all know. He got only '90s kids remember. You, at some point, that is going to stop working. At some point, people are going to push the stop button, Patty. When you say that, fine. <laughs> so they decided to actually put a character based on the animated series version into the comics, sort of. And so that was really interesting to see, because to my knowledge, there had not been a mutant named Morph in the comic books before. And so we see this guy, and he doesn't look anything like Morph from the animated series. And he looked weird, but it was really cool. You know, he still had the same over-the-top, funny, joking-around personality, and it was really cool to see him not just turn into people like Morph did in the cartoon, but turned into things. He turned into, like, a fucking brick wall to, like, knock people down. He turned into, like, a platform. Sunfire was carrying a bunch of the team by, you know, making Morph fly. And uh, it was cool, but there were a couple of shots where he where he was in his human form. I think it might have only even been one issue. I could be wrong. And it was kind of, like, shadowy, too. But you saw, like, the human Morph there. You know, you saw what he was really about. No, he was but, gray. He's being he's about being gray. Listen, not everybody is team gray, all right? <laughs> Speaking of gray, no, we're not done talking about <laughs> <laughs> So I thought he was he was really cool. He provided honestly some really necessary comic relief because yeah, this story was really was really kind of sad as much as I loved it. Um, as much as the characters were developed over a relatively short period of time, and I thought that they were developed well, yeah, this was not, like, happy times. Hey, I'm well-developed. <laughs> what the You want to add to that? You want to no, add no, to no, that no. at all? No, 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 keep going. You want to I... maybe put put a cherry on top of that? You want to talk, mm. talk about that at all? Yeah? Yeah? Maybe add some whipped cream to this, uh, to this well-developed sundae that you've got cooking? <laughs> that you've got cooking? No? Baby got back. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. All right, fine. So, yeah, so I thought I thought Morph was great. You know, he provided a lot of... A lot Make of, Morph great again. A lot of funny moments to this to this, uh, to this this storyline. And it was really interesting seeing how the X-Men turned out uh, under Magneto's leadership. You know, some some things were were changed, but they were, you know, like Amazing X-Men and Astonishing X-Men were handing, handling a larger cast of characters. So it was kind of harder to focus on some of them. They did a great job focusing on Quicksilver and kind of making him less of a complete douchebag, which, which I liked seeing. 
I mean, it was hard to keep track of like which series what was happening in because I wasn't following like one at a time because you really couldn't do that. You kind of had to follow the reading order and like read all the number ones and then read all the number twos, Mm -hmm. etc. And uh, so it was like hard to remember which story was featuring what other than X-Man because it was just featuring X-Man. And some of them crossed over a little bit, too. Right. Like, some characters would appear in, like, other books. Right, like, like Rogue too. and Magneto and all oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was following the reading order, too. And, and it worked out very nicely to give you, like, one complete narrative in order. But overall, it's, it's really interesting, you know? I mean, Magneto had initially put all of these X-Men together, and there were a couple of issues as sort of a prelude called X-Men Chronicles. You can see how the X-Men were in the earlier years of Magneto's leadership. But, you know, he's basically the Charles Xavier uh, of this timeline. And it's not just like Apocalypse is the villain. Apocalypse is the fucking dictator of North America and is literally like trying to take over the world. And he's not doing this to get like in the entire human and mutant population like like under his boot or something, it's so he can cull a lot of them. Like literally a lot of the, the jobs of some of his underlings are to go just fucking capture humans, put them in pens and like break them down into genetic soup or have them perform slave labor. And even some mutants get that same treatment too. Especially like when they die, it's like, oh, give them to fucking Dark Beast. Dark Beast will just throw them in the fucking soup or perform fucked up experiments on them. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty much like like a second holocaust and you know with with like hitler and everything and ironically there is a character named holocaust so i don't know (laughs) if they tried making that like more obvious and you know uh magneto mentions that that he had already gone through like one genocide and that this was just this was even worse it was like super bleak like People were trying to escape to Eurasia yeah, and that place in Antarctica. Avalon. Avalon, right, yeah. Yeah, so that was really interesting. Um, You know, a lot of humans managed to make it and flee North America and get to what they called Eurasia, and that's where the Human High Council was located. And so basically you have like this nation of humans um, trying to fight against this nation of, and, and it's not like all mutants are at the top of the food chain, but you've got, you know, it's, it's, it's like a dictatorship. And then he's got his generals under, right under him, which are the four horsemen. And they have their own people right under them. It's just this one fucking guy who's amassed all of this power and what he wants to, to fucking, you know, to do with all that power. And it's kind of scary to think about that, that this thing has been attempted and in some ways been achieved. It's just a really crazy way of looking at like how one mad dictator with so much power could, you know, really, really threaten the entire world. So I don't know, but I really liked it because they took a lot of, they took so many characters and they developed a lot of them really well. There were some of them that were clearly sort of like afterthoughts. Like we saw Karma in there, like barely. We saw uh, Callisto in there and we saw um, Angel. And although Angel ran like the nightclub, to me, he didn't have really like a huge role in it. It I actually really liked him in this. (laughs) Why? Because he owned a fancy fancy nightclub with sexy people singing? (laughs) No. Yeah. So Angel had a nightclub that was called Heaven and it was basically like... This, like, middle ground kind of thing, so that, like, anybody was welcome. There were no fights allowed, which is something that um, 
Black Bolt Black has Bolt. a club, yeah, has a club like that too. He did anyway. And yeah. uh, so that's basically what it is. But um, you know, both both sides try to like get information out of him either by paying him or bribing him or extorting him, blackmailing him, and he fighting was your favorite him. Character. No, this no, no, he wasn't. Know. He wasn't my favorite character. I just, I just thought that he was like so interesting. And um, you know, he had that human singer scarlet scarlet mm-hmm. working for him who is like a jessica rabbit type of character mm-hmm. who is just like sexy and singing and you know she was she ended up being a spy for the human high council and she was having an affair with uh havoc, havoc. oh my god and Ugh. so that was gross but um yeah so she basically was a spy and like fell in love with this guy who wanted to basically kill her yeah, and I feel like this was probably just some sort of, like, sadistic maybe kink for him. Havoc was, like, legit awful. Like, he was one of the most awful characters in this entire book. I feel like they do that to Havoc so much. And like, they of, make him a villain. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that, like, I'm happy about it. It, it was certainly interesting, but mostly Havoc was only interesting because of Cyclops. Right. And that is something that could be said of you know the 616 versions yeah i was gonna say that i i've always kind of felt like that too havoc has been able to be written like well on his own before but i feel like a lot of the time it's just in contrast to his brother. yeah he- i don't know again here he it was really interesting because of how fucking angry and just how fucking like bloodthirsty he was but again it was all out of hatred and ultimately jealousy because of Scott and um, Scott was was interesting here, but only because you're introduced to Scott as in this villainous position and in charge of like the terrible things that are happening to humans and mutants. And then, of course, you know, you start finding out that he's actually trying to help, that he's trying to slowly rescue people and get them out of the pens to safety. And at one point, he even takes out Northstar and Aurora, who are basically like security guards. So yeah, so this is really all Havoc amounted to, just some jackass who eventually got fucking killed in the end anyway. Still, there were so many characters and so many different storylines being juggled in this, uh, in this whole crossover that I'm sure it was tough. And obviously not everything here was perfect, but... You know, they, this was this was a time when we got to see Sabretooth as a hero. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. It was perfect to see. I mean, fuck. This version of Sabretooth was, in my opinion, I liked him more than I liked this version of Weapon X. With his fucking, Corner. his sub oh, okay. wild child who he keeps I on a leash. That. and That was so cute. Okay, cute? Yes. Because have you seen at anime conventions when, like, guys walk around with their girlfriends and collars and shit? No. And, like, have leashes? Because... That happens, and people do that, like, in public in the mall and stuff, and it's fucking creepy. I see that. Okay, I don't see that with guys and their girlfriends. I see that with parents and their babies. No, no, no. This is, this is different. It's like, it's like a kink thing. Like, they like Patty. being controlled. It's gross. Patty. I'm kink-shaming. I don't care. Because that happens at this last anime that convention that we went to, because I saw this guy holding a leash, and I was looking down to see where the dog was, and then I saw that it was attached to his girlfriend, and I was like, you're fucking, get out of here. Patty, you can Get leave. out of my house. Patty. You can put me on a leash. Like, <laughs> this doesn't have to be such an upsetting thing. You know what I mean? You can be Sorry, one of, babe. I'm still coming to terms with it. You can be one of the cool kids, too. All right. All right? Fine. Fine. Problem solved. So Sabretooth and Wildchild were awesome. I thought, I thought that that was really cute. Um, that he was like an actual... He, he functioned sort of like a dog and communicated and acted sort of like a dog. And there were a couple of 
couple of issues where Sabretooth was literally carrying him around over his shoulder while he was sleeping. And I thought that was, I don't know, I thought that was adorable. It was such an interesting use of the two of them together. Maybe it sounds sick and it sounds twisted, but I remember seeing that as a kid and I thought it was fucking hilarious. And rereading this again, I just, I still thought it was great. I still thought it worked. So this was actually my introduction to Wild Child. <laughs> um, so when I started reading Alpha Flight, I didn't know that he was supposed to be like this <laughs> suave, hot, like, uh, you know, like, I mean, he was, he was kind of getting it. I mean, so eventually, so, eventually, yeah. So, but he wasn't like a, a raving lunatic. I mean, he was sometimes, but not like a dog like that. I don't know. Yeah, it no. was, it was weird. So, so he this went, is what I always thought that Wild Child was like. He went through some changes. You know, he started out kind of like gross and a little crazy. Yeah, and then he, Yeah, you but know. like Wolverine crazy. Not like I can't speak words. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's true. Um, oh, and, you know, obviously Victor was such an upstanding guy that he saved Blink when she was like a yes. small child. And, you know, he kind of functioned like Wolverine in that, you know, he had... A daddy figure. <laughs> that he was the daddy figure to somebody. Yeah. And again, and this, so this blew my mind as a kid too, because, you know, when this came out, this wasn't too long after the Phalanx Covenant, when we were introduced to the Generation X kids. And Blink was initially introduced to, you know, be gearing up to be part of that team. And we know what happened to her, right? The 90s kids in the room know what happened to her. That's right. Everyone remembers. We don't need to bring it up. She died. (laughs) Yeah. But here, it's not just... She didn't just die, but she was, like, really nervous and scared and didn't know how to control her powers. Here, first, completely different look. Badass bitch. Yeah, just badass. This one fucking fight with Holocaust, she just teleports him over this vat of acid. He drops in there, and his hand is, like, coming out of it, and she calls him Terminator style. Yeah, and she calls him a half-scan. It was so awesome. I I wish he had been featured more, but, like, you know, if you know the character Blink... This was when people started clamoring for her and were like, yeah. yes, this is what we want. And then, you know, they started throwing her in Exiles a little a little while later. But she and was, Morph. Yeah, and Morph too. He was another favorite that came out of this, and rightfully so. One thing that really fucked me up, though, was to see how different Nightcrawler was. Not in a bad way. Oh, he had a daddy vibe. <laughs> what the fuck is with you and your daddy vibes? I thought you were all about feminism and smashing the patriarchy and shit. <laughs> You call literally everybody daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it started like ironically, and uh, my friend Becca was like making fun of whatever, and so we we just, just started saying it like ironically, and now I'm just like, oh, magnet daddy, and here's blue daddy, and here's stabby daddy, and now it just like everything is like. Oh just like, oh, can you pass me that pen? Can you pass me that daddy? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just the thing that happened now. <laughs> anyway, so Night Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler was awesome. He was, and but again, he was, was a sword daddy. But uh, he's having a sword fight. Yeah, is that is that what you're getting at? Yeah, blue, yeah. blue sword fight. Right. Uh, no, it was because he was like such an such the opposite of what we're used to in the six one six universe. Like he's still swashbuckling pirate, but. He's very mad. He's very angry. He thinks religion is stupid. He doesn't mind hurting people to get what he needs. And he, at you know, later in the series, he actually teleports Deadpool's head off. Who's not called Deadpool here, anyway. He's called Dead Man Wade. But, um, so that is, that is strikingly not something that Nightcrawler does. 
And he did it here, and it was just, like, no fucking problem. And he had uh, Darkholm as his last name. He had an okay relationship with Mystique, too, which was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, it was interesting to see. Um, And I think they still kind of alluded to the fact that Mystique and Destiny were, you know, something more than friends at one point. We didn't get to see the Savage Land. It wasn't the Savage Land. It was Avalon, because on Apocalypse's Earth, dinosaurs didn't make it. Uh, (laughs) Survival of the fittest. Right, survival of the fittest. You know, it was those small arms. Uh, I guess. Yeah, but then, you know, but during, during this series, there were, there were a couple of, of other interesting things. We had, uh, you know, like I said, Dead Man Wade, who was not very much like the Deadpool we all know and love. Um, even the Deadpool we knew and loved back in, you know, the mid-90s, but also Moonstar. And again, this was another character that was just kind of thrown in there and didn't really do very much, but, you know, she was just sadistic. She was fucking torturing Wade. And uh, their leader of their little trio was called Damask and uh, killed Moonstar for torturing Wade. So it was just fucking, it was really weird just how, like, bloodthirsty some of these characters were. And again, you know, I mean, Damask was an original character in this time, but, like, Moonstar was just kind of thrown in there and then killed, and boom. She was I done think with. that she was thrown in there to spy on Warpath's, like, dancing ceremony thing, which was, like, just a group of natives. Was that like pr- was that Thunderbird? I, I don't I don't remember you, which one it was. Right. But uh yeah, she she was probably just there because it was like a gathering of natives. That's that's why they threw her in there. They're like, oh well, here's a native character who could fit in. Who cares if they're not from the same tribe? They're they're both they're both native. They're, I guess. they're from here. No, and that's probably, the same thing. That's probably true because you know I mean it's cool that there are a few native characters, especially in the X Men, but there are only a few, and that does kind of stink. But, yeah, even then, though, like, these native characters were just kind of thrown in as afterthoughts, and that kind of stunk. You know, we got a couple of my favorite characters in here, but, you know, they were killed right away. You know, Pyro, Fantasia, uh, Avalanche, they all got caught and killed right away. Fantasia didn't have her powers. Whenever Pyro, Pyro was able to create the fire, but he literally fucking burned himself. So, it was like, what the fuck? Uh, That was a little upsetting, although I was happy to see them in there at the time. And... We also got Nate Gray because of Age of Apocalypse. Oh, thank God. Well, fuck yeah. Thank God for Nate Gray. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's got, you know, he's got his shiny eye. Mm-hmm. He's got his, his sexy hair streak. Mm-hmm. And he's got his, uh, he's got his chest. And yeah. That's all we needed those, those, That's all we needed. That's all we needed. I feel like, I feel like even if he came out two years ago, he would just be like so 90s. Like, and it's not even like he looks like Cable or like any super nineties. Yeah, he does. Ca- I mean, okay, yeah. He had the sh- he had a shiny eye. Yeah, you're and right. He had a little bit of white in his hair. Yeah, and it was not a cum streak. Like there's something about Mary. <laughs> I love that movie. Nineties kids get those references. <laughs> yeah, no, I I just uh, I feel like they overpowered him too much. Like it didn't really feel like there was too much at stake with his story. I don't know. I feel like he was just kind of thrown in there like a plot device. So I don't really care about what happens to him after. Blasphemy. Yeah, his his series and the Cable and Bishop ongoings were like the only... Cable and Bishop? No, I mean, separately. There was a Cable ongoing oh. and there was a Bishop ongoing. Those were like uh, a few of the series that I've never read and I really don't want to read. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, how can you not love him? Okay, so this is like a little like table 
like a chart, if you will. Okay, so there's Apocalypse, mm-hmm. and then underneath I him see. he has a four horsemen, and then underneath Sinister. Sinister was one of the horsemen. So under him, he had raised Scott, and did he raise Alex? Yeah, no, he raised okay, both of them. Okay, he raised both of them. So he was daddy, and uh, <laughs> so those two were like pre-late summers and whatever and then like underneath them they had like two of the guthries 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 there was sam and i don't know who elizabeth was. elizabeth so that was awesome i'm sorry but i gotta say something here that was interesting to see because obviously you know there's cannonball um the difference here is that he's evil but also elizabeth in the 616 universe has never shown any sort of mutant powers and I don't think her official name was Amazon in this timeline, but they did call her that once. And I was like, when the fuck are we going to get, you know, more mutant Guthries? And obviously we we have over the years, but Elizabeth is one that never had any blossoming mutant powers. And I thought that this was really interesting. I remember one time we were driving somewhere. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of Guthries. And I know that they like originally showed up in New Mutants when he went back to their house, but I didn't think anything would become of them. You keep saying that, and I'm thinking you're going to say the Goonies. The, go- the Goonies. <laughs> and then I rem- I was like, yeah, and then I just read something, and and now there's there's Paige, and you're like, okay, so let me list them all out for you, and you did. And you're like, and these are their code names. And this was so many years ago, <laughs> I barely remember it. But I think we were driving to that action action park. Yeah. Yeah. So How the f- fuck do you remember I that? You only remember nonsense. You can't remember. You're like fucking Drew Barrymore in 51st Dates some days. I get scared that you're going to forget my name. And I'm going to have to like make a video for you and be like, be like, yeah, you see this package? This is the package you signed up for, honey. Yeah, I'm your lover boy. Um, but you remember that. That's crazy. No, but there are a bunch of, um, not a bunch, but there are a few Guthries who have never had any mutant powers in the 616 universe. So I didn't remember about this one, but this this seems like uh the the Factor X seems like the uh the like sibling power book. So so we had <laughs> we had those siblings, and then we had Aurora and Northstar, who were basically like bodyguards, like you said before. Yeah. Were there any more siblings? Yeah, I mean there were the uh, Summers, there were the Guthries, and there was uh the Bobiers. The Bobiers. The Bobiers. Bobiers. The Bobiers. Um. No, but back on, on X-Man, though, like, I, I get what you're saying about Nate Gray, and I was, I was mostly joking, although I thought his introduction here was interesting, and his creation was interesting. Sinister managed to get his hands on, you know, the genetic material for Summers mm. and Jean Gray, and come up with, with X-Man. Yeah, come up with. <laughs> but, you know, the, the cast in this book was, was interesting. It's not like Forge was really doing, he was trying to fight the good fight in his own way, but it was it was cool to see that he had, you know, a few, you know, villainous mutants working for him for a good cause. There was Toad, there was Sauron, which was spelled differently. And then there was Brute, who was an actual Morlock, but this one didn't look like him. This one looked more like Sunder. And there was Mastermind, and that was really cool. And, you know, some of these guys were even very well-spoken, which was interesting, and they'd put on plays to, like, you know, distract the local people or whatever and be able to, like, you know, hit trains and whatever and, like, hurt Apocalypse's goons. So I thought that was more interesting than than anything else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love that cast. Nate Gray was absolutely overpowered, and he was um, some sort of a plot device. Obviously, he didn't get, like, the final kill, but I, I don't know. I thought he was interesting. And besides that, 
it doesn't matter how overpowered he was then because they they really nerfed him when he was reintroduced in New Mutants Volume 3. Yeah, that's true. So now he's just chest and nothing else. <laughs> just sexy man chest. And and uh, something else that was interesting that I wanted to bring up was that in this story, so we talked about that Cyclops was working for Apocalypse, but mm. he was like secretly sneaking people like mutants out of these pens. Yes. And yeah, it, it turned out that uh, Jean was one of them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Jean was part of like the rebellion, and she was with Wolverine. Like yeah. they were together. Yeah. So when when she actually saw Cyclops, you know, she was like, "Oh, you know, maybe another time or something." Like I feel like there's more about us or something. Yeah. And I was like, "This really interesting to bring up," but I don't know. They um, even held hands. <clears throat> I feel like they wanted to keep some sort of of a connection between the two of them there. Yeah, I mean it it felt like really obvious, but I thought I thought that was interesting and I'm glad that I got to see Gene with Wolverine even if it was only for a little bit. I was not a huge fan of him. I was not. I mean his I mean I didn't really like him in this story, but <laughs> his intentions were fine, the way he went about things was fine, but to be honest, he seemed way too overprotective of Jean at times. Um, I mean, she dies a lot. before, <laughs> But he doesn't know that. Um, you know, I mean, eventually, it's not like they were together for too long in this series before they split off. And Jean was like, no, fuck it, I'm leaving you. I'm going to go help these people out in North America before you help the humans nuke North America. Mm. Um, but he did seem like really overprotective at times. And, and I really, I don't know, I didn't like it. Maybe, you know, I it's just that I like Cyclops more anyway. And especially in AOA, uh, I like Cyclops a lot more. Um, I did think it was interesting, though, uh, and I kind of wish that they would have shown it here um, instead of, you know... But I guess it's one of those, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, oh, you'll, you, you can figure it out with us, without us having to spell it out for you. But that Wolverine actually clawed out one of Scott's eyes, and Scott somehow managed to blast Logan's hand off and it wasn't able to to I'm, reform. I'm pretty sure that was explicitly stated. No, it was eventually, but not oh, initially. Oh, okay, okay. Not initially. Um it was sort of like insinuated. And then yeah, eventually that that did come out. Uh so I thought that that was interesting. It took, you know, their their little, you know, frenemy thing like a step further. They actually caused like serious harm to each other. And that's how we got the amazing emo clops look. Where he has the listen. hair covering one of his eyes. No, you listen to me. <laughs> you listen to me. We would never have had the emo movement anyway if it weren't for this look. Because this existed... So, so that's more to blame on Scott. How could you sit there and say that you do not like or never have like emo music? Yeah, it was it was a blemish upon my life. You stop it. You, you stop it. You listened to My Chemical Romance. I did. And other bullshit like that. I did listen to bullshit. Right. So own your blemishes just... <laughs> Just like you own those earwax and booger fucking cocktails that you shoved into your mouth regularly when you were a child while you listened to My Chemical Romance. Oh my god. You were having a chemical romance with your own chemicals. Your earwax and your boogers. That's right. Ah, That's shame. right. You fucking, you march proudly in your black parade. Oh my god. No, actually, I stopped listening to them before that came out, so I don't even know that song. But I forgot to mention this before when we were talking about uh, swashbuckling... 
Nightcrawler, uh-huh. that uh, some some good tunes to jam out to uh, while you're while you're reading that is uh, Alestorm, the band Alestorm is A L E Storm, and it's uh they're just they're just a pirate metal band, and they're just a lot of fun. They they have a lot of songs about like stealing and and uh, drinking and getting drunk and stealing alcohol and right, uh, just just a variety of things. I would say. So first of all, <laughs> don't steal alcohol. I'm talking to you, the listener, and you too, Patty. Don't steal alcohol, don't drink and drive, don't drink and text, and don't drink and call. Right. (laughs) Don't drunk dial. Right. So there, you know, there were a couple of others. There was Gambit and the Externals, um, which was kind of, kind of interesting. Cute. Yeah, no, it it was kind of cute. You know, Gambit didn't, didn't end up with Rogue. Rogue ended up with Magneto, which was a weird fucking thing. And they had a baby, yeah, and his because, name was Charles. Because, you know, you know Rogue and, like, Quicksilver are roughly around the same age. But, you know, Quicksilver has now got this stepmommy, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, that's a milk. Weird, weird relationship. But this had an interesting cast. You know, it had this version of Strong Guy, Jubilee, Lila Cheney. And Lila, that's that's I am going to say that Lila, you I you hate it. Goofy Goothry. Um, what? <laughs> oh, and also Strong Guy is like a fucking Ross in this. Just so annoying. Just like, I'm friends and but I still love her. Just shut the fuck up. She doesn't love you. This this is this is how you hurt people when you stop them from communicating when you can't have an open dialogue. He how can he ever be a strong guy if he can't even mm-hmm. fucking talk about his feelings, Patty? Mm-hmm. I swear to God, this, oh is, my God. this is what you do. No, this this series this series was kind of was kind of interesting. There wasn't a whole lot of character development here, but I did think it was neat to see Jubilee uh, along with this fucking team traveling through space and also like they explicitly mentioned that she could detonate things on the molecular level which is kind of just like i'm gonna wave my hand and boom you're a pile of fireworks now um and that's something that that they never really at least i don't think ever developed in the 616 but now that she's no longer a vampire maybe we'll see that happen again uh they made richter a douchebag yeah you got some say say some shit about the bad guy instead of the good guys in this story huh um, yeah, no, I, I hated Richter in the story, and just, like, he was, he was stalking them throughout their space journey to get the Macron crystal. I'm gonna say it like that, I don't know how it's... The Macron? <laughs> so they had to get this Macron crystal to, to, to go back to Earth and, and get it to somehow stop Apocalypse, I don't know. So, so they, they stole this crystal, and they ended up in the sewers, and then, like, Guido took it and the baby and uh, Charles and yeah. uh, you know, Guido was a, was a backstabber. So fuck this guy. He wasn't a very strong guy. Patty. He was not a strong guy. He was, he was so bitchy about getting friend zoned. And guy. yeah, bitch guy. And <laughs> instead of Gambit saving Charles, he saved Leela, which was good in a way because up until then he was just like pining after Rogue and while still like hooking up with and giving signals to Leela, which was fucked up, and like we know that Gambit is kind of like a womanizer, but that that made me really upset. So I'm glad that uh, he ditched the baby to save the girl. So what I really like <clears throat> about all of this is that in a world where there is this 
um, genocidal mutant. People are dying left and right. Yeah. They turn into genetic soup. Yeah. You still found the time and the the headspace <laughs> to to call out. Right. You know how how these hookups were happening. Yeah. You still managed. To I look get out upset for what's important. All of the ships. Right. <laughs> right. I, I look out for my girls. No, some of the guys were obviously douchey, and I'm not trying to say that they weren't. Um, but I'm also trying to, I'm also going to say that this was the mid nineties and you can look at the kind of testosterone that was writing these stories back then and to stop bringing up friends. That was a great (laughs) fucking show. Listen, Ross, listen, 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 when we, listen, when, listen, (laughs) when we start the friends podcast, (laughs) the friends fumings podcast, (laughs) you can bitch about all the Rosses you want. Fine. All right. Honestly, though, I think my favorite series out of all this, though, was probably Generation Next. Again, because I've always, I've always been drawn to like the children. T- oh <laughs> my fucking god! <laughs> Get the fuck out of my house! <laughs> I have always been drawn to fictional mutant teenagers. <laughs> no, no, no! I, I, I'm just playing a goof. Uh, I, I also agree. No, because I mean, this was this was like a really, really rough book in a way. But at the same time, it was it was sort of it was sort of fun. But you know, Shadowcat and Colossus were just fucking brutal, like absolutely brutal to to a fault. I still ended up loving Shadowcat, and I did love Colossus for a while. But he really showed himself to be like way too obsessed with his sister, which you know I I get. You thought she was dead. You find out she's alive. You want to go save her, and that she's really important. So, so great. But he ended up killing. He ended up in the, he he fucking killed Iceman, and he killed Shadowcat, his own fucking wife, uh, just to go after her. And he allowed he allowed his team to die. The kids he didn't kill Shadowcat. Yes, he did. So in in Omega. Um, they were, they had taken Ilyana into the Emkron crystal. Oh, oh, oh. You remember that? Oh, okay. He wanted to go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, she got in the way. And she didn't phase because she trusted that he wouldn't trample her. No, he trampled her. And when he went back into, like, uh, what was, I think it was the Seattle core. They were trying to get Ilyana out. So you had, you know, this universe's husk, chamber, skin, and this character who was new at the time, Vincent. You know, he he let them he let them all die in there. He didn't even try to get through that door to save whoever was left. And and Shadowcat was going to go back in to yeah. save the kids. He's and like, no, I'll do it. He was like, no, I'm I'm more equipped to handle this job. You you just take Ileana and go. When Shadowcat was just going to go in there and try saving the kids, and Colossus just opened the door, saw the predicament that they were in with like all of these kids just like fighting all these like weird fucking things. And he saw how hopeless the situation was. And instead of trying to help, he just closed the door so they couldn't get out. Yeah, it was sad. Because at that point, the only one that you saw left was Husk. She was fighting by herself. So you you saw kind of like, I think, Skin and Chamber get like pulled over the side. I think Vincent, well, he might have been shot. Uh, yeah, no, I think he had been shot. So you, you knew at that point they must have all been dead. And Husk is just fighting by herself. And then, um, yeah, he lets the door close. And it's just like, that's the end of it. But I loved these characters. First of all, this was prime Bachalo art. Oh my god, it, it was, was beautiful. Holy fucking shit. It was amazing. The stuff that he came up with, you know, this gave us this twisted, disgusting design of, of Sugar Man, first and, of all. And the guy who looked like Slash. Quietus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it kind of stunk that, you know, that um, that we didn't get to see 
more of him. But still, it, that was a really interesting design, and it was also really cute how Husk and Vincent like teamed up to pretend to be him. I thought that was really neat. It was also really cool to see how Chamber acted, you know, without the without that fucking hole being quite as big. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. Um. So he still had a mouth. You know, he was he was a more he seemed like a more confident character. And that was cool because I always liked Chamber a lot. But yeah, no, this was this this series was a lot of fun as twisted as it was to see Shadowcat and Colossus and like, you know, we just gave a lot of shit over Colossus, but Shadowcat wasn't the nicest lady either. You know, they both pushed these kids really fucking hard to the point where when they were training, it seemed like they were actually out for blood. I don't know, this also oh duh, this also gave us Mondo, which was fucking dope too, because at this point in the six one six he had just added, like, a couple of cameos. Um, he hadn't officially joined Generation X yet. So it was cool to see him here trying to help out humans. He dropped a guard off of a balcony or whatever for, for shooting some girl and her father. I don't know. It was a great series. And, like, I, I know I'm sitting here and talking about, like, the depressing points of it. But I got to say this is probably, like, my favorite series out of out of any of them that were going on. Yeah, and like I like I said, it was it was like, you know, like one of my favorites too, but it was also like kind of the worst one because it was just like it really like cemented that like this is hopeless and everybody literally everybody is going to die. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it had its moments. I loved uh I loved Husk a lot. Um She was horny as hell. Yeah. I lo- I just it was also good. No, and I get what you mean about the whole hopeless thing, but I, I think, like, at the end of it, it seemed like each one of these series, there was some sort of end goal in mind for each, like, of the primary characters to hold on to some hope that things were going to be okay. Yeah, and this one was Get Ileana, and, you know, Colossus just got a little bit too focused on that. Yeah. You know, in Amazing X-Men, the cast was interesting. Um, you know, their whole thing was they were going to help some humans, too, get out of there and get into Eurasia. And Dazzler, Dazzler was was really awesome here and and it mainly her look they didn't give some of these characters a whole lot but her look was awesome she was smoking she was a smoker a bunch that of them, was cool a bunch of them smoked which was kind of weird but also that she liked making like those um images of people out of hard light in order to trick people mm. i thought that was really interesting too because that's not something that was explored very much in um in the 616 anyway but yeah and then um you know x-men omega was just this fucking, this issue blew my mind as a kid. You know, after it's all over, all like the X-Men and Nate Gray, they all come together around Apocalypse's Citadel. And Bishop, who we haven't even mentioned at this point, well, but was probably the most important character in the story. No, I, honestly, yeah. I mean, that, that, that I mean was, as a plot device. Yeah, as, as a plot device. But that was, that was interesting what they did with him. Um, to give Magneto and like, you know, this little glimpse of like, there's another world that's supposed to be this isn't supposed to be and how it took a little while for that to sink in you know magneto kind of sent like nightcrawler and gambit and whatever like out on these missions to go confirm these things this crazy guy was saying um and then eventually got himself captured you know it's still it kind of like it started at like this little spark in magneto and he had to believe it he had to believe that there was a better world that could exist out there than the one that they lived in than the misery that they lived in he knew that in the in the time that was supposed to be that he wouldn't have rogue and his son charles 
and he knew what he was giving up, but he saw how desperate the situation was. They weren't like, okay, that that's enough killing people. Now we have, you know, just mutants now. It wasn't like the goal was to get rid of all the humans or like that there was a specific goal. It was just fucking, I don't know, kill people. Who cares? I'm Apocalypse. <laughs> so, like, the situation wasn't going to get any better. Apocalypse was probably going to be able to take over Eurasia. The whole world was going to end up like this. So it was pretty much everybody die or we take this chance. And the ingredients, I guess, that they needed were Ileana, the Macron crystal, X-Men, which they, I don't think they even needed, really. Well, they needed him because he was super powerful. They they needed him to fight. Because, you know, eventually it was kind of like Magneto teamed up with X-Men to go up against Apocalypse and Holocaust. And I don't know how well that would have worked out. Because a lot of the X-Men were taking care of a lot of the troops around the Macron crystal. They needed Destiny in there, they needed Ilyana in there, and they oh, needed... Oh, Destiny, that was it, yeah. And they needed Bishop in there. So, so I mean, everyone's kind of served his or her own purpose. But, you know, Magneto wasn't as powerful in this universe as he was in the 616. He had used up a lot of his power at one point before. But, of course, he got the kill shot. And this is what blew my mind as, as a kid. And it's just a fucking imprint in my memory. And every time I look at this panel, it's amazing. I did not see this coming where Apocalypse says something, as they're fighting, he says something to Magneto about, like, not talking, and Magneto's like, I can't, I'm concentrating. And then the next panel is, literally, Magneto rips Apocalypse in half. That was amazing. That was amazing. That blew my fucking mind, and I loved it. And yeah, it was a depressing ending, um, because they all had to die. Yeah, literally, uh, the Human High Council in Eurasia, like, fired the bombs, and, like, they were just going to blow up the uh, America, basically. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't understand why Wolverine agreed to do that, because it was just going to take everybody out anyway. And, I don't know, it was a little confusing, that part, for me. Well, he wanted to be able to, you know, destroy uh, Apocalypse, his whole troops, the whole, all that land, just completely destroy it, so they wouldn't pose a threat anymore. It's like, we can't do anything else we're not gonna win on our own we're just kill we're not gonna win through diplomacy we just have to wipe him out yeah and okay so gene was trying to hold these bombs all off and then because scott wouldn't kill havoc havoc fired on gene and knocked her out and scott was like we're all gonna die now well wait a second okay so it's not because scott wouldn't fire on havoc havoc snuck up on them havoc no 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 but I'm saying that uh, before, Scott oh, had a chance oh, to oh. kill Havoc, yeah, and he right. said, I'm not killing him. You're right. And Fuck. I was like, this is going to come up at a later time. Yeah, that's how horror movies work. Yeah. So <laughs> so the, the, the moral of the story is, kill your brother. <laughs> no, but that, don't was, actually, that was a joke. Don't kill your brother. <laughs> Nobody kill anyone's brother. No. So, so we know the world is ending. Magic has to like open this portal for Bishop to go through the crystal. He was at the moment where David was going to shoot at Magneto and basically like shows him (laughs) what happens. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so Bishop basically just showed Legion how much he just fucked up an entire universe. He was like, let me show you how much of a piece of shit you are. And uh, and so that was it. And uh, then you see a couple of the like six one six X Men who traveled back 
to this point, and they were like, did something crazy just happen? And Storm was just like, uh, yeah, but I think the battle was uh, someplace else. Yeah, let's just, let's just go home. And uh, also worth mentioning is that, okay, we didn't talk much about Dark Beast or Sugar Man. Both very villainous characters, both really creepy. He's got dark right in the name. He's Dark Beast. Yeah, Dark Beast. Okay. Yeah, so he was fucked up. Sugar Man was, like, running this, like, mining operation with children, slaves. I don't know. All human slaves. All human slaves. Aunt May was there. Oh, right. So so both of them managed to get through to our world. So that was yeah. our introduction to those characters and why they're here. And also, I don't know what is going to happen between the time that we record this and the time that this is released, but mm-hmm. both, uh, I mean, well, all uh, Sugar Man Apocalypse and Dark Beast are in the new Uncanny X-Men series yeah. that we're getting weekly. So, yeah. But, you know, we saw Sugar Man die there. I think Dark Beast escaped. And as of this recording, Apocalypse is still chained up in a sexy position. By the time you guys hear this, maybe something will have changed by then, probably. You know, they were, uh, they were, Dark Beast and Sugar Man were pretty fucking gross characters. It was really especially disturbing to see, to see Dark Beast. You know, like now I think about it and he's been around for a while, but like this was his introduction and like to see Beast like that, I don't know, it was really disturbing. Wait, wasn't wasn't Holocaust in the 616 at 1.2? No, he was. He was, but this is where he started out. Okay. Um, so all in all, I mean, I thought this was this was a great story. It was so epic in scope and I thought it was handled really well. There's not too many things for me to complain about considering how the narrative moved along, you know? I mean, it's like like we said before, like each each team, each book had its own sort of mission, even when it split off, you know, like Weapon X and Jean Grey, you know, their missions kind of changed halfway through um, and how it all ended up tying up kind of nicely. So, again, you know, this was this was just an absolutely amazing story. It is, you know, a long read. So- and it's also <laughs> really depressing. But one thing that I will say is that the art in every single one of these books is fucking amazing, amazing. Yeah. and it, it looks like almost the same person did all of the books they're all in this just like amazing style and i mean i i was like looking at like you know the artists for each of the books and i was mm-hmm. like all these artists are different but like they're all my favorite artists now like why can't every book yeah. look like this it's so unique and right? so pretty what i'm saying that was yeah. the art in the 90s <laughs> the 90s were the best fucking time for comic books, Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, but seriously, there was um, there was Cubert, there was Cruz, there was uh, Madureira, there was Bichalo, Bichalo, and I'm probably leaving a few out, and that's okay. But uh, yeah, it's just it was just all so so fucking good. I love this series. If you've never read it, what the fuck are you? <laughs> go fucking go fucking read it. So. Did you think the Age of Apocalypse was real wild, child? Do you think Piotr was a colossal douche? Stick around for some more sugar, man, while we take a commercial break. Want to be a geek but don't know where to start? I want to impress my parents so they'll stop telling me I'm a loser. The expert geeks at geekade.com have got you covered. I'm not a loser. I've made a commitment to my sexy body pillow waifu who mom and dad refuse to even let in the house. Geekade.com has articles, podcasts, and videos about all kinds of geeky subjects. Want video game news? We've got podcasts for that. Want funny videos about wrestling? We've got you covered. How about anime articles? Geekade.com can help you get your geek on and impress all your friends and family. They're just pillow racists. Pillowists. (laughs) Check out Geekade.com today and tell us what's your geek. 
Want to express your love for the X-Men beyond buying comics? Oh, yes, because expressing my love inside of my comics can be painful. Then check out One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook. I mean, you think a normal paper cut hurts? Just try getting a paper cut down. One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men is an awesome page that brings fans like you news, artwork, and merchandise for sale. Maybe I just need to wear protection. Does this page sell, like, Wolverine condoms? You know, for those of us with uh, short and hairy... Check out One Million to Save Wolverine and the X-Men on Facebook today. So, for my second favorite series, what? uh, what? what? I decided to pick another very hopeful, uh, happy series. Bullshit. Uh, so I decided to. What happens <laughs> from listening to all that My Chemical Romance? Oh my god! While eating your bodily stuffs. Oh my god! <laughs> this story that I picked is, I think. The first comics that I read, the X-23 Innocence Lost by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost and Billy Tan came out in 2005. I'm pretty sure that I got a trade paperback of this from my local comic book store. That was the first time I'd ever been in a comic book store. And I had seen X-23 on something, maybe art or something on the internet. I don't know how I heard about her because I didn't watch the show. So I just saw her and I was like... Yes, I'm an angsty fucking whatever year old, 13 year old, 13 ish, ish, 13 ish year old. And I, I need, I need to look at this girl. So this was totally the shit that I was into. This is really dark, depressing shit. Oh my God. So don't read it if you're already sad. (laughs) Oh my God. And this was also actually the time that i was listening to my chemical romance and stuff you know like (laughs) 13 years old uh patty innocence lost yeah Um, no so so first so i gotta say we and i think we we talked about this we the two of us definitely did talk about this a little bit on our origins episode from like a year and a half ago so i first found out about x23 because i discovered youtube uh this guy right here made the discovery wow check it out that's why i'm so rich so when I discovered YouTube and I had heard, <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it, it's the NBD, uh, and I found that I could watch all these TV shows because this was before copyrights and before copyright infringement and before companies knew of YouTube, right? Because I discovered it. So I watched literally the entire series X-Men Evolution on YouTube, and this is that was my introduction to X-23. But I had to look her up because I'm like, wait a second. I never heard of this character before. And then I found out that they had, at the time I was watching it, had already brought her into the comic books. So I hadn't bought any new comics in nearly a decade. I still occasionally read, but I kind of got off, fell off the comic book wagon for a while and wasn't buying and wasn't buying any. It was, it was, yeah, it was about it was, ten, it was dark days. It was about 10 years of my life just fucking down the drain. But when I saw this character in the cartoon and I looked her up and I saw X-23 Innocence Lost and it was like, oh, Origin, I ordered them uh, online. And uh, yeah, these were like the first new comics that I had purchased. And I read this story and I cried. Like at the end, the final issue, like it just fucking cried. This, in my opinion, this was an amazing origin story. She had already been introduced in, X- in NYX number three from the like the year before but like we've talked about that you guys probably know that story that didn't give much background on laura and this origin was different from the one mostly different from the one that they gave her 
in the TV show. Because in that one, uh, it was Hydra, you know, and here it was the Weapon X program. And this had a much more elaborate background for Laura. So we started out the story with a flashback. There was a doctor in the Weapon X program. Yeah, D. Rice. D. Rice. Dick Rice? Dick Rice. Dick Rice. That's what I assumed it was. Dick Wolf. He's got a case of the Dick Rice. <laughs> dick Rice is not something you want. You got to get the cream for that. Maybe a pill. Oh, my God. Get rid of that Dick Rice. Speaking of which, they did get rid of the Dick Rice in this. In they this did. Story. They did get rid of Dick Rice. Right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, so Wolverine, when he was escaping from Weapon X, Dick Rice almost made it out, but uh, Logan killed him when he escaped. What a dick! Right. But then it turns out that his <laughs> name is Dale. That's, that was that's, such a downer. That that was a downer. That was, that was a, a Debbie downer. Da- totally Debbie lost downer. God damn it, Debbie. My boner, Debbie down. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, uh, flash forward, we have a uh, child of this Dick Rice named Xander, but it's spelled with a Z instead mm-hmm. of an X, so fuck That's how you, you know he's Xander. Yuppie. That's how you know he's a yuppie fuckboy. He's a, he's a, you, you, know he's, name, you know he's white. You got a name with a Z? You got a name with a Z You're like white. when it should be an X? No. 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 Mm-hmm. No. Just, just go, go back to Brooklyn. Go wear your fucking, fucking sweater vests. Right. And you play your fucking golf uh-huh. in the middle of the winter. Yeah. And you have nothing but a beard on your neck. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, Xander decides uh, that he wants to be a complete dick also. Phone in daddy's dick steps. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he wears uh, his daddy's dog tags with the slash mark down the middle of them. Yeah, doggy dick. Dougie dick. He wears his daddy's Dougie dick around his neck at all times. <laughs> so we meet Sarah Kinney, who is doing uh, mutant genetics. Yeah, she's an expert on mutant genetics. So you just think she's another bad guy. Yeah. Because you kind of get the feeling that none of these people are good people that we're meeting uh, right. at this point. So, like, Sarah has this idea and Xander's like no my idea my work blah 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 and uh big big boss boy is like no we hired her she's the expert let's go with her idea and so Xander I guess looked through her files and knew that her dad molested her as a child and called her daddy's girl and that was fucked up yeah yeah like they were just doing you know it was basically just sort of doing things to make Xander seem like an asshole you know, he was having an affair with, like, the secretary who was married to, like, the, the big head of boss. the program. Yeah, Martin. So just, like, everything that Xander did, it was to show him, like, as a douchebag. Now, this whole thing about Sarah being kind of vulnerable, so this was interesting. So yeah, she was molested as a child. She still grew up to be, you know, a really intelligent and really, you know, powerful woman if she made it up to this point, even if they were up to no good still. But this also gave her the chance to have a family and have the fallout with her sister but you know her niece still wants to have her young niece still wants to have some contact with her and so that sets up a little bit more to happen later but you get this feeling that Sarah's kind of you know she's really tough she's been through a lot she is keeping herself closed off um and Xander is basically just going to try to knock her down but she's ultimately the one who cracks what they need to do anyway yeah, so basically what the the whole point of this was was to make a genetic clone of Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And so they have this DNA sample, but the Y chromosome was too damaged, so they would have to duplicate the X 
chromosome. Mm-hmm. So so it would come out as a girl. And, you know, she would have the same powers and the same physiology and the same healing factor and all that she stuff. Just have a vagina, no dick. Yeah, and Xander was like, oh, we're, we want an assassin, not a Barbie doll. And but, I was like, fuck you. But listen, no dick, no dick rice. You know what I'm saying? You don't, yeah. don't got to worry about the dick rice. <laughs> you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> so so this is what uh, Sarah and Xander were fighting about initially, that uh, Xander didn't want it to be a girl. And she was like, well, if we want to have it as a boy, we're going to have to wait like 12 years oh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Big Boss is like, all right, fine, do it. And uh, it was the 23rd sample that turned out to be viable. So hence the code name X23. And then Xander's like, oh, but we need some some woman to carry it. And, like, everybody stares at Sarah, and she's like, fine, whatever. <laughs> so so she she carries this baby to term. So she actually, like, is her mother. Yeah. So, like, as soon as she's born, basically, they take her away. And, uh, oh, man. you know, like, she, she, like, reaches out like she wants to hold her. And they're just like, no, like, you're not, nobody is to treat this thing as if it's a person so she is like kept in this padded room at all times she was she had to go to like classes like karate and like sword fighting and stuff and like her sensei is like being really nice to her even though like he's he's rough on her he treats her nicely and he tries hiding it by speaking japanese to her oh yeah that was that was really that was really interesting just thinking about the life that X-23 had early on, you know what I mean? Like, looking at this, though, like, how much development could she have? And they did that on purpose. You know, they were just, like, trying to, trying to like, you know, mold her a specific way. And even, like, when Sarah was allowed to visit X-23, she was only allowed to read, like, what was she reading? It was, like, War and, War and Peace. Peace. And she had to sneak, like, Pinocchio in there to treat her like a child. And like you were saying about, like, the sensei, like, talking to her, it's just, like, this, like, human instinct to, like, treat her as a child and as, like, a growing person and to give, like, some of this, like, positive, happy reinforcement when really the program doesn't want her that way. So, you know, I mean, obviously, like, we haven't discussed much of the story yet, but regardless, you know, this is kind of, like... You could look at this as, like, uh, through the lens of, like, society trying to shape, you know, trying to shape a young woman or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. And we, we see throughout this that she doesn't, she she barely says anything. Oh, my God. She has, like, so no expressions. Yeah. And at one point when Sarah was reading to her, Laura, who doesn't even have a name yet, tried putting her head on Sarah's leg and like to to like lay in her lap <laughs> yeah. and sarah like looked at the camera and was like sit up yeah you can't do that and i was like oh man and like y- you know out- after a while you kind of see it more that like this is like really affecting sarah and she doesn't really approve at all of how they're treating this kid and i'm wondering if like you know it's because does she and i don't want to i don't want to say this to sound sort of like s- sexist in some way but is it because she really feels bad is it like a maternal instinct sort of thing? Is it like, oh, I carry this child and I, you know, because there were a couple of shots of her like talking to the baby, you know, talking to her stomach when she was pregnant. Or is this because she knows how she was mistreated, like by being molested when she was a child and she doesn't want to see this little girl 
who is, you know, her daughter uh, go through something so traumatizing. There is like a lot of different ways to think about it. I don't know if there's a correct way to, but it's the kind of thing that I'm thinking about when I'm reading through it. No, I think it's a combination of all of them. And, you know, I it, it becomes more evident after a while that yeah. like it's really affecting her. And I don't know if it's just maternal instinct or just like, you know, fucking human, basic human kindness well, and, of not torturing people. And But that's the thing, though, because it's it's such a stark contrast like that that what we what you would think of as like the human decency compared to the way that Xander and Martin are acting just like this is NBD like this is what we're we're in it for like we're going to take this little girl we we're and and you know not just that but this this next point was really disturbing so like you know that she's she's basically a, a young female wolverine you know she's going to have powers that, that are exactly like his. They're not coming fast enough. You know, they, they're investing years of, like, indoctrinating this girl and, you know, leaving these impressions on her. And then finally they're tired of waiting. And Xander is like, no, I'm, I'm going to, you know, expose her to extreme radiation. And then I'm going to surgically uh, bond the adamantium to her. But I'm not going to give her any anesthesia. Like, this dude takes the sick pleasure out of it so sadistic and not just and and uh, yeah but then there's you know like martin who's okay with all this there's all the doctors and all the workers in there even some of the doctors when he's like no anesthesia are like sir is this too like you're keeping a little girl in a padded room and like conditioning how she's going to develop like this is where you draw the line all of these people are sick you know what i mean yeah no i agree and uh a lot of a lot of what you're saying just like reminds me so much of like puppy mills and like the conditions that Aww. they keep these dogs and you know and just like i don't know i don't want to get into it it's gonna make me cry Aww. is that don't don't i don't care if you go to a breeder as long as they're like a legit breeder not a backyard breeder but don't for the love of god get a dog from a dog store yeah don't that's it's, just, it's not that's okay not they don't get them from legit breeders they get them from puppy mills don't every give, single one of them you think you may be helping but you're you're helping you're not it's not just like you're helping that dog. You're helping the pet store. And that is ultimately not what you want. Right. So the... She starts uh, killing. Well, first... Okay, so they developed their trigger scent to make her kill anybody as soon as she smells it. Yeah. So we'll keep that in mind for later. What? The secretary, who is Martin's wife, is pregnant with Xander's, Xander's baby. What? And tells him. And he says, don't tell your husband. I don't want anything to do with this baby. Yeah, again, just piling on to the reasons why we hate Xander. Right. And, okay, so once once she's finally, like, developed enough, she has her first field test. They basically just pick somebody at random. It's a presidential candidate. So she, she like, sneaks into this event by having crutches, and they, they she's like, I really want to meet the president. <laughs> and Jeez. they were like... They were like, sorry, honey, there's nobody allowed to go through. And then the president's wife is like, she's she's handicapped. We need to get this for a photo op. Yeah. So they let her in and she drops the canes and fucking kills everybody in the like, room. Like even oh. even like all of, all of his family, like kids and everything. Um, I know there was at least because this was a story that came back later or, or a plot point that came back later. And it wasn't even too long ago. You know, there was like a survivor, like one of the one of his kids or something survived. But yeah, at the time this came out, yeah, it looked like she killed everyone in the room. And it wasn't just that. It was how fucking fast she moved. 
Oh, yeah, like, all of these missions were timed. Yeah, but, like, it was like the flash of a camera. Like, the people standing, you know, next to her, like, the presidential candidate's family, they didn't even have time to look or blink or anything. She was up in the air, and, like, one of her foot claws was already, like, going into his chest. Yeah. It was crazy. And she was drawn like, like, you know, a young adolescent girl. And it was just nuts to see her acting like, you know, to see her, to see her like this. But yeah, so this was basically an advertisement. It was like, you know, because obviously this got all over the news. And then it's like sell to the highest bidder. Yeah. So Xander wanted to just like, he was just like getting pissed at X-23, I guess. And he basically like left her for dead at mm-hmm. one of the missions. Yeah. And just abandoned her and was telling everybody like, oh, she didn't make it to the contact point in time. Jesus Christ. And so then she just shows back up and she's like, hey, everybody, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know why she came back, but I mean, I guess she had she didn't she know didn't, anything and else. That's the see. That's another scary thing to think about. She had nowhere else to go. She didn't know anything. She didn't know about police else? or anything. She like, didn't. Yeah, nobody else to contact. It was just like this is my home. This is my life. This is where I go. Right back to the tormentors because to her, it's not just it's not even like tormenting yet really i mean maybe she didn't even know that he was leaving her there on purpose i mean he dropped like the dog tags or something but bro she's got a healing factor you know this and it was crazy she tore through all of those the guards at that facility like they were nothing and and came back home oh it was it was just it was fucking it was nuts but now that uh you know now that she's back you know then uh, Sarah's sister calls and says that that niece went missing. So again, we we see some family involvement there from 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 Sarah. She she decides to use X twenty three, and you know this is something that she thinks about later. Like I'm no different than them because I just use you too. But it's order to save this innocent girl. You know, some fucking creep in the neighborhood has been like kidnapping little girls. I think he was killing them too. So he managed to get uh, Sarah's niece. So Sarah uses X-23 to sniff out where they are and go save her. And it's great to see that. But at the same time, it's not too much development for X-23 because to her, she's just she's just in on another mission. Yeah, yeah. And when Sarah said, like, I don't remember if it was here or not. No, it was it was later. Sarah was like, I, I need I need to get you out of here or whatever. And X-23 was just like mission. <laughs> another mission? Yeah. And like, that's all that she knew. Just kill and go out and come back. And, okay, so Xander had managed to convince Martin to sign away the rights and responsibilities, basically, yeah. of, of Weapon X. Because, like, he's like, oh, you're really stressed. You have this new baby and whatever. And so Xander has proof that he's in charge of this project. And he's going to get X-23 to kill Martin, Rachel, Martin's wife, and yeah. the baby, which is his, his baby, yeah. Which is uh so so Xander is fucking crazy. Can we can we uh agree yeah. to that now? But like but like so this was you know, obviously X twenty three doesn't know. She's gonna go do what she's told to do. So X twenty three goes in like she's gonna fucking kill everybody, and she kills Martin and Rachel, but she comes across the kid, Henry, who's a few years old now, and she leaves him alive. Yeah. So so this shows that like you know she she can maybe differentiate between right and wrong 
even if she doesn't really understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that this is this is a child and it's it's probably like don't kill it. And I feel like it's like so there was no real development when she killed that creep and saved the niece. Right. But I feel like that was probably what put it into her head like, oh, you know, this is a child, we have to save it. You know, this child is good. And so maybe she was thinking about the niece when she saw um, this boy, Henry, and was like, oh, you know, I, we don't kill him. We want to save. I don't I don't really know. It's never explicitly stated. Um, you just kind of get the you just kind of get the idea like they're showing this to show you that X-23 can develop emotionally and psychologically somehow on her own, regardless of how much you try to shape it. Yeah, and uh, when she gets back to the facility, Sarah sees her cutting herself, and she had oh, seen man. the cuts before, Jesus. but she thought that it was Xander, yeah. and she's like, wow, like, the ramifications of what we're doing to this child are, like, just not okay, and then um, everybody hears that Martin is dead, and Xander's, like, just whips out this contract that Martin just signed, and is like, oh, wow, look at the convenient timing. <clears throat> Yeah, right? Nobody now now I'm boss, and everybody's like, all right, boss. Yeah, and he's like, now we're moving forward with phase two. Because it's not just this X-23, this one clone that we're going to, you know, kind of loan out for, you know, large amounts of money for one-time assassinations or whatever. We're fucking building X-24 through X-50. And we're not just going to make it so you can pay to have an assassination done. You can own your own fucking little clone girl to go kill people for you that's just that was so fucking disturbing yeah it was it really was and x23 realized that what she did was not right so she she had kept the picture that xander gave her of the family to kill in her mouth and gave it to sarah and sarah was like that dick yeah we're getting you out of here i don't know around when it happened but they tested the trigger scent um, by putting it on one of the swords of the sensei. Yeah, that was, So yeah. when he took it out, she couldn't control herself. Her eyes went red. She was like a possessed zombie. And yeah. she just fucking... It's it was like berserker, berserker mode. berserker rage, yeah. Yeah, and she just killed him. And she was really fucking upset about that because he was like her only friend. Pretty much. So when Xander is like explaining to Sarah that, you know, we're moving forward with this, you know, I'm in charge. We're moving forward with this part of the... the program and i want you out of here he tells sarah like if you're not gone by morning like we're shooting you he touches her hair sarah goes and writes this long letter uh we don't know too much about it yet but the plan is basically sarah's plan is to get x23 out of there and to destroy uh the rest of the the clone embryos that are fucking being grown um, and she's got this one dude who's kind of been helping her the entire time the one seemingly decent dude in the entire facility and it's it's fucking dope. You know, this is one more mission for X-23. And the mission is to first destroy the embryo chamber. She's dropping bombs in there. And all these fucking guards come. And Jesus Christ, like the action sequences here are fucking amazing. Like, the pa- they're sliced up, like, vertically on the page. So some is cut out, but it works really fucking well. She kills all of them. And... You know, she's tearing through the facility. It starts, like, exploding, which I guess Xander didn't count on. But Xander tries to shoot and kill X-23. She fucking... She kicks with her foot claw and slices the gun and his finger off. 
She puts her hand claws away and beats him with her fucking fists. And it's amazing. And she's having flashbacks of those times where he called her an animal, tortured her during surgery, all this shit. Like, I don't know, just just the use of the panels on the page were fucking amazing. And, you know, everything explodes with him inside. So, you know, he's dead. This, uh, this branch of the Weapon X program is clearly done. You know, it's all been fucked. At least we think it is. But she gets outside where Sarah is waiting for her. And all this time, throughout this final issue, we're getting, like, pieces of Sarah's letter to X-23. And then it fucking happens. Then we learn why Xander touched Sarah's hair. And it was because he put the trigger scent in her hair. So when X-23 gets outside, she leaps at Sarah and goes in this mindless rage. And then you flip the page and fucking Sarah is lying in the snow, bleeding out, dying. And X-23, like, doesn't know what's happening. And we find out that in, in Sarah's letter, Sarah said, your name is Laura. You are a child, not a weapon. You are my child. You are my daughter. We see pictures of Wolverine and Charles Xavier and a passport. And, you know, Laura is just trying to cuddle up to her and is like, no, please, no, don't leave me. Don't leave me. And she just curls up on her dead body. And this is where I started to cry. <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I, I started I, I started tearing up just hearing you say that. When I first read this, I legit cried at this end. Um, I mean, you know, it it went a, a couple, it went like another page after that because you see her getting off the bus in New York City two years later. Like, we know how that turned out. That led to her introduction in NYX. So this was all everything before that. But that was her origin, you know? That was, oh my God. It was so fucking powerful. Uh, when I, and it's still, when I reread it, I still fucking love this story, but yeah, it, it legit made me cry when I, when I first read it. It's just such, such a powerful story and such a harsh, disturbing origin for, for X-23. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I said, this is what got me into comics. If I didn't like this, you know, who knows if I would have stuck with comics. I mean, at the time, like this was exactly the kind of shit that I wanted to read. So it ended up being completely perfect for me. And it also really reminds me of uh, one of my favorite animes, which is called Elfin Lied. Mm, yeah, right. But it, that series has a lot more fan service in it. <laughs> yeah, so if you, want, if you want basically the same depressing story, but with more titties, you can, uh, <laughs> you can take my rec on that. I think it's, uh, it's either 12 or 13 episodes. And also a movie, but I've heard that uh, if you watch the movie, you're going to hate your life. Uh, so I've never watched it. So don't don't watch the movie, apparently. Why are you going to hate your life? I don't know. Apparently it's just really bad and makes people hate the oh, regular bad. series. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought it was like super depressing. No, who I cares? Like... I watched I watched uh, Your Lie in April, which is the fucking saddest show ever in the universe. Yeah. So I don't know. This was this was a great story. There are some people out there I know don't like um, X-23. There are some <clears throat> people who even really didn't like how she took over the mantle of Wolverine. I fart in your general direction. I think um I think Laura is an amazing character. She had an amazing origin. You know, her introduction in NYX wasn't very strong, but it does make sense. We had that discussion a while ago anyway, but yeah, this just I don't know. I thought this was I thought this was fucking perfect. And this might be Patty's, you know, second favorite story. This is definitely up there as one of my favorite stories because I love Laura so much. And it's great to, you know, because I haven't gone back to the story in a while because of how depressing it is. But it's nice to see how far 
she's come. Like, all she's been through since then, kind of going through, like, all new X-Men, and then, you know, kind of growing up a bit more and seeing where she is now, you know, kind of, like, as the sort of big sister-slash-mother figure to Gabby and taking responsibility and yeah, being Yeah, she's able to got, like, a family now. She's got, she's got a little sister, and that's really cute. And the and, dog. And the dog, <laughs> and she's got, uh, like, a crazy crazy brother and uh a, a dad who's dead right now but she has a like a like alternate. a gr- alternate universe grandpa i don't know it's it's cute um i'm part of uh the wolf fam so the wolf fam uh-huh. all right so that'll do it for this episode of mutant musings thanks for joining us and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com one million to save wolverine and the x-men on facebook Leave us feedback on iTunes and follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast. What did you think of Age of Apocalypse? Did you enjoy X-23 Innocence Lost? Join us next time with a regularly scheduled episode. And until then... Morph was right. Yeah.